Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. We're in a series called Back to Life, and this is a series that we started last week focused on the areas in your life and the parts of your life that we believe God wants to bring back to life. Things that might have been dormant, dreams, ideas, visions, um, and maybe a trajectory in your life, maybe an area in your life that has been in a, in a dormant season or even dead. You thought, um, that, you thought that at one point, at one point you thought, that it would come to pass. At one point, you thought you had the dream was alive. At one point, your life was hopeful and, and full of, of desire for whatever it is that, uh, that you dreamed of. And then something happened. You went through a, a season, and now there's no pulse. Um, so we believe that God wants to bring those things back to life. Now, Jesus started his ministry. When he started his ministry, he was calling people out of darkness into light. And I believe that's why we're here this morning. That's why you have tuned in to God. And that's why you are interested in pursuing uh, relationships in the church context. And back then, Jesus was approached by a man named Nicodemus, who was a theologian and a studied man. And he was explaining this very thing to Nicodemus. See, Jesus told Nicodemus that the Messiah that that Nicodemus knew was to come. That the Israel people, the Israelites knew was to come. Jesus explained to him that the Messiah was not going to come as a judge. But he was going to come as a savior. He wasn't going to come as a judge to condemn the world. But as a savior to show the way. To guide people and to save everyone, to offer salvation to all of mankind. Now this idea that God, who is the ultimate judge, God who knows you, knows everything you've ever done, and knows everything you think, and, and all, of, all of your secrets. This idea that this God has come to the world, not as a judge, but as a savior, it's good news, isn't it? It's a great idea. It's good news. It's healing. It's restoring. It's encouraging. Because it means that God wants you to do well. It means that God wants you to succeed. It means that God wants you to be guided. He wants to guide your life. He wants to lead your life toward ultimate good. But it's also a conflicting idea. Because... With all the evil in the world, who's going to judge? We need a judge. And that's probably the argument that you've heard from your non-Christian friends, from unbelievers. It's probably an argument that you have wrestled, wrestled with. How would God allow, how would a good God allow so much suffering? How could God permit so much pain? That might, have been a, might have been a question that you've asked or a question that you've heard. 
And some of the things that, that we've experienced, maybe some of the things that you've experienced might have been unexpected, unexpected, overwhelming, things that have really, really afflicted you and impacted you in a negative way. So we ought to ask the question, how, 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 could, how could God permit that? And what, what, what do you do about the perpetrators? That's another question, right? If God came to save, what about all the bad people that do really bad stuff? Because yes, true, we are all created equal. We have equal value, but we don't all act the same. And that's visible. We don't all act in the same way. Some people do horrible, horrible things on purpose. Shouldn't God stop them? That Jesus came to save and that he came to save us and that he came to lead us away from our sins. Sounds good, especially here, because you're here in church. You're one of the good ones. You're spending your Sundays connected with other people who are looking to do better. You're watching, you're listening. You're taking steps to connect to God, and you can say, yes, salvation is great. I have a lot that needs to be worked on. Of course, I'm aware that there are things in my life that need to change and, and move toward better, but that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm working toward good. I'm aiming my life toward good, and I want to be transformed. I want to become better. I want to be more righteous, more loving, more just. I want what God has to offer. So that's good news. Salvation is good news for me, but what about those who choose to do evil on purpose? What about that man in California who decapitated a 25-year-old woman? Yeah, that happened last week while her two kids were in the house on her driveway. What about that guy with a sword like it's the year 500? Can a God put a cap on evil? Sometimes we think that, like, but could God just... Limit, put a limit on our actions. Like, like, can God put a cap on how much evil a person can do or be exposed to? Like, like, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but sometimes I think of things like that, especially in traffic, right? You're driving, and, and like you, you can honk, but you can't. You can even call somebody an idiot, but you can't cut him off. Right? Like, you, man, man, yeah, it won't. It doesn't work. Sometimes I think like that, like, what, what, if, what if God were to do that? See, the things that we wrestle with when it comes to God's rule in the world and what he doesn't stop from happening can be very hard to grasp, can be very difficult for us to get a hold of. And last week, we, we touched on this a little bit because we talked about the belabored question of why do bad things happen to good people? And I essentially shared with you that they do exactly because people aim to do good. And when you aim to do good, you walk into situations that are not so good. When you are aiming at good and you have your sights so towards sanctification, you take part in this, in this life that Christ calls us to live. And sanctification is not only separation from the world, from the ways of the world, it's not only separation from the ways of culture, but it is engagement with the injustices of the world. So we live in this dichotomy. We don't live like the world, 
but we want to change the world. We are strong and unbending in our devotion to Christ. But we are also devoted to our fellow men. We don't abide by the world's principles, but we love everyone who does. We do our best not to hurt anybody. We never hurt anybody intentionally as a follower of Christ. But you also walk toward the hurting. You walk toward those who who are in pain so that you may alleviate their pain. And in the process, you might suffer their pain as well. You do your best not to lie to anyone. But you also walk toward those who have been betrayed. Who have been lied to. And in the process, you suffer some of their pain. So in the process of carrying each other's burdens, as Paul writes to the church in Galatia, in the process of laying down our lives for our friends as Christ taught us to, we will be exposed to evil. We'll be exposed to pain. The lies, the deceit, the apathy, the discord. We'll be exposed to it. So today I want to continue the conversation from where we started last week because this tension we face is nothing new to humanity. And Nicodemus was struggling with that and he was wrestling with that uh, when he was talking to Jesus. See, the Jewish people were concerned that God, were concerned and, and were hoping that God would bring judgment into the world because they were being oppressed by the Romans. So they wanted liberation. They wanted freedom. So the Messiah was their hope. To just end all the evil once and for all. And Jesus comes and says, no, the plan is different. I'm not coming as a judge. We have a judge. But I'm coming as a savior. That's God's plan for mankind. We want to save mankind so that none that believe in the Son of God would perish. But if the Messiah is not a judge, then who will condemn evil? If God so loved the world and everyone in it that he wants to save everyone and that Jesus died to save everyone, where's the judgment? To that, Jesus said the following. John chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. In other words, who's seeking the light has nothing to hide. Because that person is trying to do what God has called them to do. But those who do evil things do it in darkness. And Jesus is saying that's the judgment. You either live fully invested, making sure that your work is carried out in God, or you reject the light, and you reject God's ways, and you embrace darkness, and in doing so, you are self-condemned. You don't even need God to condemn you. Your actions condemn you. And this is important because in this process that of, of going back to life, the call of God for us to get back to life, this is not a passive process. It's a process that we engage actively. 
So last week we talked about surrender, coming to God with a surrendered heart and a surrendered spirit. And today I want to talk to you about the next step, which is your mind. Your mind. Because listen, there will be a judgment. No doubt about it. There will be a final judgment. Don't you worry. Every injustice, every evil in the world will be ratified. Every person who's done evil and apparently has been uh, gone unpunished, there will be a judgment. And it will be a fair judgment. God has promised so. There will be a final judgment. Everyone will be judged according to their works, Scripture says. But God didn't leave us to fend for ourselves. He has given mankind a chance of salvation. He sent us His Son so that we can get our life on track. So before the judgment, Jesus came to save us and call us to take responsibility And to participate in what he's offering, which is this exchange. So that we may not be judged by our works, but that we may be judged by his works in us. So that on the final judgment, when we stand before God with all of our actions and everything we've done, God looks at you and says, I see the work of my son in your life. I see my son's love in your life. I see redemption in your life. I see salvation in your life. Yes, you have some sin, but that has been paid for and taken care of. So the cross covers your sins. And so when God is calling us back to life, after we've surrendered, we need to take responsibility over our mind. And I know that you desire this kind of life that God has promised. You want your spirit to be alive. You want your heart to be full. And I don't know how you've been living these past few days, though, these past few years. But some of you, I'm sure that you haven't felt the fullness of life that you once felt in a while. Or maybe you've never fully felt alive. Here's what you need. You need a mind reset. You need a mind reset. See, when, when a computer doesn't work properly, we reset it. When our phone just breaks down and is not working right, we reset it. And that's the same for our minds. We need to reset our minds. So I'm going to give you three steps today on resetting your mind. Step one is this. Repent. This is uh, a call from Christ to all of us. Now, some of you, you've been Christian for a long time. And you might say, Jesus, uh, J.D., I've, I've already been a Christian for a while, and I've already repented 10 years ago. I've already, I've already done the repenting. It's all done. <laughs> I've been baptized, and, you know. Did you know that repentance is a continuous process? I mean, I just repented last week, a few times. Repentance is a continuous process, continuous process because you can't renew your mind without repentance to repentance the word repentance means metanoia which means change of mind you can't reshape your thoughts without repentance now a lot of people confuse repentance with regret it's not the same thing regret is that feeling of remorse you get oh man i wish that hadn't happened oh man i can't believe i did that oh Regret. 
regretting something happened. But that doesn't mean that you repented. It just means that you disliked the outcome. It doesn't mean that your mind changed. It doesn't mean that you think differently. It doesn't mean that whatever caused that, as far as it depends on you, actually changed. See, repentance is change of mind. Repentance happens when the way you think changes. And we have a big problem these days because genuine, the genuine meaning of repentance, which is metanoia, change of mind, is more and more being seen as weakness. Why? Because to repent means that you have to be humble enough to admit that you were wrong. And when was the last time you actually witnessed somebody change their mind and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong? More and more, we're being encouraged toward pride. More and more, we're being encouraged toward Take, taking a stand and staying uh, strong in our stand. We're encouraged toward pride rather than humility. We're told to be proud. Proud of our stance, proud of who you are, proud of your, 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 your life. Not apologize for who you are or what you think. And, and what that does, this heightened pride, what that does, it hardens us. So that we are, our, our minds get cemented the way they are. They settled. They settled. And here's the problem. The harder you get, the tougher the breaking will be. That's why scripture says the following. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by the testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. See, pride hardens your heart. But humility softens your heart. So let me encourage you. Don't be so hard-headed. Don't be so, so cemented in your ways, so close-minded that you're not willing to consider something that might, have, might go against the way you think. In other words, do what the Scripture says, test everything. Because it is by testing that you discover the will of God. Testing, that you, it says that by testing you discern what is the will of God. So test everything. Test even your own mind. Test your thoughts. Test your ideas. It's important because as you test, you discover the truth. And the truth sets you free and it changes your mind. Repentance is necessary. See, Jesus said this to his disciples once. Uh, Luke chapter 13, 3. I tell you, unless you repent, you will all perish. Hopeful words from Jesus. But what is Christ saying here he was talking about people who died tragically at the hands of the empire and they were discussing whether those people perished because they were being judged by God and Jesus was saying listen it doesn't matter whether you perish in a tragic way or you perish in a less tragic way how would you like how would you like your life to end perishing tragically or perishing calmly I just don't want to perish I don't care. Can you just remove? The, and that's what Jesus is saying. Like The point is that you are not to perish. The problem is that without repentance, you perish. Whether you perish nicely or you perish horribly, 
That's the end of a heart who doesn't repent. So let me ask you. In what ways has your thinking, has your thinking kept you bound? In what ways has your thinking, has it kept you stuck? What do you need to repent from today? Are you holding on to resentment? And that resentment is shaping the way you see certain people and, and affecting how you relate to others. Are you blaming God for your past misfortunes? Things that happen in your life and you just put this wall between you and God. Are you carrying on uh, embracing a victim mindset? A mindset that says that you are powerless before your challenges, that you have no way to overcome whatever it is that's been put on you. Have you dismissed, completely dismissed the deposit that God has placed in your life, the talents, the gifts, the abilities that He has put in you, and completely disbelieve them? God wants to reveal himself to you so that he can rewrite your story. The things that you've repeatedly heard in your head that you are not able, that you're not strong, that you're not equipped, that you're not rich enough, tall enough, smart enough. You didn't come from the right family. You weren't born in the right era. You don't have the right personality. You don't have the right relationships. You don't have what it takes. You're a lefty, you should be a righty. You're a righty, you should be a lefty. You don't have the right connections. See, these lies from the pits of hell, they come and try to cement themselves in our lives. And what we need is repentance so that our minds can be changed and the, and the lies of hell can be broken in our lives by the humble act of repentance. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation. Godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation, whereas worldly grief produces death. What does that mean? That sometimes repentance hurts because you come to know what is the thing that has kept you bound. And sometimes... There's pain in that process. Repentance can be, pain, can be painful because it takes you to the end of yourself at times. But it's there. It is in that place that God changes you and that He gives you a new mind. Second thing that is important for us to have a mind reset is to go after God. Just go after God. See, there was a time when the people of Israel turned their backs on God and then decided to live, to live according to their culture, according to those living around them. And this is how the scripture describes that season, that era in Israel history. 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 15 says, They despised his statutes, talking about God, and his covenant that he made with their fathers. And the warning that he gave them, they went after false idols and became false. 
And they followed the nations that were around them concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them. Wow. They, they, they went after false idols and they became false. This is, this is a powerful, powerful sentence that reveals something so profound that whatever you pursue, whatever you meditate on, whatever you set your, your, your eyes toward, whatever you go after, that's what you become. There's this idea that's gaining traction today that everything is predetermined. That however you were born, that's the way you are. That however you came into the world, you came into the world a certain way, and, and, and you came in, 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 in the way you came, that's the way life will be. You, you will be doomed and destined to a pre-programmed life, and there's nothing you can do about it, because that's the way you are. It's not true. Determinism is a bad idea. You were born a blank slate with promises of God and with the life of God in you, and endless possibilities. And you were brought into an environment that informed the way you think. And informed your customs, informed your, your way to live. And yes, there's nature in it. But in you, there's the nature of God. In you, there's the life of God. Whether it's tapped or untapped. It's inside of you. And when you come into a relationship with God, that part of you comes alive. But sometimes it's enclosed by, by a hard shell of what you have learned and heard your whole life. And so maybe you are pre-programmed, but it doesn't have to stay that way. And whether you, realize it or, whether you realize it or not, right now you are going after something. Your life is pointed at a certain direction. You are pursuing something right now. What are you going after? What is your life about? What are you pursuing? Whatever it is, that thing you're pursuing is what you will become. That's what the scripture teaches us. So let me encourage you. Go after God. Pursue God. Pursue who He is. This is what Paul was writing to the church in, in, Corinthian, in Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, talking about all of us, with unveiled face, beholding the glory, are being transformed into the same image, His image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. What you behold, you become. When you go after God, you become like Him. You receive his attributes, his power, his love, his perspective, his character, his goodness, his peace, his patience, his, his, his love, his grace, his mercy, his strength, his judgment. So how do you go after God? How do you do it? Well, for starters, you make these moments count. We have an opportunity every week to come together. And you guys have taken this opportunity. Kudos on you. You guys watching online as well. You make it count. You make worship count. You make prayer count. And then you open your, your mind and your heart to receive what God is speaking to you. It might not even be something that I'm saying, but the Holy Spirit is speaking in your heart. And He's guiding your heart right now. He's giving impressions and directions. 
So hold on to that. Embrace it and follow up. Do what Christ is calling you to do. And then you pray daily. You yearn for his voice. You ask God, God, reveal yourself to me. I want to know you more. I want you in my life. I want you, I want you to show yourself through my life, in my life. I want your heart. I want your mind. You go after God in that way, under your breath, in your own way. You're not, you might not be as loud or as emotional as some of us. But in your own way, you can yearn from a heart that desires God. And there you will realize that you will find freedom. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Those things that have kept you bound will break in the name of Jesus. The things that have kept your mind down, they will break in the name of Jesus. And you will be free from past hurts. You will be free from past curses. You will be free from certain ways that you thought you wouldn't be able to. To overcome ways of thinking, old ways, and your mind will be renewed and you will receive the mind of Christ. Day by day, you will become the person that you were always meant to be. And number three, for your mind reset, once you go after God, live by faith and not by sight. We're visual beings. And we focus on what we can see. Believing by faith doesn't mean that you live by blind faith. You also see, but you see by faith. You also see, but you see what God shows you. So you live by faith, not by sight. That means that your mind, your body, and your soul, they are guided by your spirit. Did you know that? That your mind, your body, and your soul, they are meant to respond to your spirit first. They are meant to be guided by your spirit, not the other way around. Like, we're not supposed to be guided by external elements, but we're supposed to be guided by the life of God, the spirit of God, the essence of God that is on the inside of us, informing how we communicate, how we see, how we see the world, how we move around the world. See, that's what happens when somebody receives Christ. That person becomes a new creation in the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God finds residence in that person's heart. And once that, that connection, that relationship happens, the Spirit of that person comes alive. Because it's been dormant. And God begins to reside in that person's spirit. And there, that, that moment, God begins to reveal spiritual things. There's, there's, such thing, there's such a thing as spiritual intelligence. There are things that you can only discern in the Spirit. There are things that you can only see in the Spirit. There are things you can only judge in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says this, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And that's so true. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 15. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Why is this important? Because there are certain mindsets that stand directly against 
God's will for you. There are also realities that stand against God's will for your life. Not everything that has happened to you was God's will. Some of you need to hear that out loud. Not everything that has happened in your life was God's will. And there are certain things that are happening in your life right now that are not God's will. Sometimes we get into this mindset, oh, God is in control of everything. Everything is, everything is God's. It's all God's will. Here's, here's why God is so masterful. Because he, ta- he can take something that's broken that He did not intend. And He can turn it for good. He can turn it for good. He can use it for good. He can use your past mistakes. He can use the brokenness. He can use what has happened in, in a horrible situation and redeem it. That's what redemption is. Redeem it. Make it work for good. God can do that. But the very fact that he has to turn it around means that it wasn't his will in the first place for you to live in that situation. For you to live in that reality. That was not the final destination that he had for you. It was not the proper way of life that he had for you to live. And some of you, in order for you to come back to to life, you need to stop living by sight. Because as you look around, there are a lot of things in your life that are not God's will, and that's all you can see. And you don't know how to get around it. Here's how you do it. You stop looking at your present circumstance as the will of God for you. Discern it in your spirit and you live by faith. See, God has a life of purpose for you. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to show you things that no one else can see. And some of you, you've already seen it. You've already seen it in your spirit. God has, God has already shown it to you. He has already, he, you caught a glimpse of what he wants to do with your life. You've caught a glimpse of the vision that he has given for your life. He showed it to you. He showed it in your spirit. He showed the family. He showed the business. He showed the influence. He showed the joy that you were bringing others. He showed how you were making the world a better place. He showed how, how he was going to use you to renew things, to renew people, to heal others through you. How he was going to use you to bring salvation to others, guidance to others. He, he has even shown you the mechanisms by which he's going to use you to change the world. A project, a nonprofit, a profession. You bringing the kingdom of God on earth as a teacher, as a financier. As a police officer, as a doctor, as a business owner. God showed it to you. He gave you a vision. And you can see it in your heart. But your reality doesn't match it. That's when we ought to live by faith. You need to know today that God has already spoken into existence. That's why he gave you a vision. He has already put it to motion. And there is nothing keeping you from the life that God has for you. There is nothing keeping you from the life that God has for you. I'm going to say it one more time. There is nothing keeping you from the life that God has for you. You need to know that in your spirit. You need to know that in your heart. That God has given you a vision for a purpose. 
So don't look at the circumstances. Don't look at your surroundings. Don't look at the things that are trying to tell you that you are not good enough, that you can't. And look at what God has already shown you on the inside. The life that he has revealed to you. And do a mind reset. Repent from your old thinking. Repent from the, the, the bad thinking. Repent from the old mindsets that have you bound. The resentment, the unforgiveness, the things that are holding you back. Go after God. Stop going after the things of this world because they will all perish. Go after God. That's what Jesus said. Seek my kingdom first and all the other things. Will... I know what you need. Go after God. And then live by faith. Seeing through the eyes of faith what God has determined for your life. Listen, I'm not trying to minimize what you've been through. I'm not trying to minimize what your family has gone through or, or where you've come from. I'm not trying to minimize what you've What, what has been done to you. Remember, God is a judge. And there's no evil that will go unpunished. You need to know that. No one that has been proud of the evil they've done will go unpunished in a major scale or minor scale. We think about the big ones, right? Genocide, mass murdering. But there are those things that happen behind closed doors that are terrible and change someone's life forever, change their thinking forever. I'm not trying to minimize any of that. But can you, can you release it? Those things that might be, might be, this injustice is done to you, can you release it to the great judge and say, God, I'll let you avenge that. I'll let you take care of that. I'll let, I'll let you take care of all of those people that did me wrong. I'm going to release that to you. And I'm going to live my life with my heart clean. I repent from that thinking. And, and I, want to, I want my mind and my heart to be free from that. So that I'm not a person who is a survivor simply. But I am a conqueror. Someone who is determined to live the life that God has called me. To live. He can take you from the miry clam, from the mud, from, from a broken situation. And He can build and cause you to be a beautiful city on a hill that stands as a mark of what God can do in someone. And that's what I'm believing for you. That's what I'm believing for this church. That's what we're believing for. Connect Community in Stanford. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.